Hello, and welcome to another episode of Navigating Life with Coach Love. Y'all, y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. That's all I got to tell y'all. Y'all in for a real for real treat today because my guest today is amazing on a different level. And you will understand very, very soon why I say that. But I just want to say to my amazing audience, welcome, welcome, y'all. We're about to have some fun times, but it wasn't always fun. And so um, my my friend, my, um, my other woman of candor, she is Phaedra Washington Gray, and she is with us today. And I just wanna say thank you so much for joining us, Phaedra. I mean, y'all, before we got on here, I couldn't even get myself together because I had so much to say. So I just received Phaedra's book, A Lesson Learned the Hard Way. Y'all, this book is everything. It is everything. It is unmatched when it comes to relationships and some of the lessons that you learn on the journey and you cannot see it coming. You guys, you're looking at this beautiful woman right here, but her story will make you go, hmm. So without further ado, I introduce to each of you, my friend Phaedra, Washington Gray, y'all, she just got married. Let me tell you something. <laughs> she, she, she just amazing. She just got married and it is beautiful. So Phaedra, introduce to the people, just share with them who you are and a little bit about where you're going, what you're doing, what's happening, girl. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Phaedra Washington Gray. Um, I recognize that women uh, go through different things in life and they keep um, having to show up, whether it's if they're depressed, they're stressed, they're um, fighting COVID, dealing with um, kids, being home, homeschooling, deaths, um, but they keep showing up. So what I do is I really um, push um, for and promote the strength of a woman. And I know, like Miss Lolita just said, um, she got a lot, 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 a lot of things that she want to unpack, but I'm just the girl from around the block. I mean, <laughs> it's just old country girl from Mississippi. I'm, from, I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi. I've been in Texas for the last 11 years. Um, I came to Texas for better opportunities. Um, and it's been a truly a blessing for me. I am married um, and I have two kids who actually have paws. Um, <laughs> and they actually have dogs. That's what that means. <laughs> yes, I have two dogs, um, Popcorn and Ali. And that's my life. Like, I'm a simple girl. I like to shop, I like to hang out with my friends and family, do brunch, um, and travel and see the world. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love it. Again, Phaedra, I just want to say thank you because your story is not that of 
what I would call the average woman. I, I don't know a lot of women with your storyline. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I was saying to the audience, when, when I look at you, I'm like, how? What the world? But I would even venture to say um, this whole experience was mistaken, but God don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so this um, this life experience that you had took you to a place that took you very low, but God kept you lifted up. Mm-hmm. And so um, we are calling this the book, A Lesson Learned the Hard Way. Uh, Phaedra was in love with someone who was not living an honest lifestyle and got caught up in a whirlwind that ended up costing her um, five years of her life behind prison walls. And I don't know, but I, for whatever reason, I'm getting a little emotional about this because I have, uh, I grew up in the hood and this could have been my story and it wasn't, you know, and for the many women who love men that are living the street life, if you will, I believe that this podcast will be an eye opener, Phaedra, for many women to to take on the understanding of who they are engaging and Mm -hmm. what it could cost, right? Really being able to count the cost. So let's go ahead and dig in, Phaedra. So you were a college student on campus at FAMU in in Florida. Mm -hmm. And you, in your sophomore year, you met this guy, Marcus. And Marcus stole all of your entire heart. Yes. (laughs) Stole it all. All of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He stole it all. And um, I just wanted to know what was it about Marcus that caused you to choose him over all these fine men that was on this campus of FAMU with great potential, legal, and had great futures in front of them. What what was that? Um, well, one, Marcus pursued me. Um, most women want to be pursued, and he he pursued me. Um, he wasn't bad looking to the eye. He smelled good. He had confidence. Um, he knew what to say, when to say it, and so... Um, it was easy. It was easy. Huh. Okay. So it was easy. So one of the things that really stood out to me in the book is that you, you talked about how, um, early on in you guys relationship, he decided to share with you on another level, what it was that he was doing in a illegal fashion. And for whatever reason, you felt you were enamored by the fact that he would trust you with this information. Mm -hmm. 
what what was it what was going on in you so would you would you lend that to immaturity would you lend that to the fact that oh well I'm just really glad that he trusts me that much even though I know this I know it's not right what was going on with you what what made you think that that was okay that he shared that part of him with you one Marcus was eight years older than me um, he had already graduated from college. So he had a college degree. Um, and he had a radio station in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, which was a, a couple of hours away from Tallahassee at the time. So I looked at him as a businessman. Yeah. Um, and so months into the relationship when he decided to share that information with me uh, about him and his illegal activities, it was kind of like, well, oh, he trusts me now. Or I felt like, oh, we were just a little um, more closer. There was a bond um, that was being made. Um, and I just turned the other cheek, you know, it wasn't none of my business. That's what he did. Okay. But I also saw him as a businessman from another standpoint. Um, so I didn't see the, the drugs being an issue at all. Okay. Okay. So that makes sense to me because I was like, okay, so she's smart. You know, I had no idea about his background. So mm -hmm. that, that wasn't, at least not from what I read so far, that wasn't, you didn't share that in your story, did you? Mm -mm. Okay. So, um, so that I, I'm so glad that we're doing this this uh this podcast because I was like, okay, what was happening? Because what I do want to see happen, Phaedra, is that I would like to see women be able to put themselves in your situation. These young girls, we are just August will be here before you know it, and there will be new girls on campus um, at universities and colleges across the globe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there is always a guy that's doing something. What I believe was uh, the, the best part that you shared was that this was not all that he did. Mm -hmm. And so that he was educated. He was not making the best decisions um, by doing this and this could cost him everything and it did, you know, but he also cost you five years of your life. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it was so hard for you to let him go? Because that was one of the things like you are behind bars. Yes, he got sentenced to 17 years, but you still lost five years of your life. You you were sentenced to five years and 10 months. You did four and a half years. That's still a lot of time to take away from a young lady who is aspiring to be great. You were following your dreams. You were in the place that you were supposed to be. And then Marcus. Mm -hmm. So five years of your life goes away and you are now behind prison bars and you are grieving the loss of this relationship. Mm -hmm. Why do you think you were so, what was the, what was the hold? Like, I understand love, but I mean, that thing was something. 
uh, all I can say is love is blind. <laughs> um, I never forget the song that continuously played in my head on that time. Uh, and if you're from the Florida area, it's it, it's a, a reggae song that say everyone falls in love. Uh, sometimes I don't know about you, but it ain't a crime. And so I didn't feel like it was a crime to love him. Um, and he was just that to me, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone and you love them, sometimes it's hard to get out of it. Um, now I understand women who stay in abusive relationships um, because I knew what Marcus was doing. I knew that um, it, it just seemed like our relationship changed from sugar to shit once he realized that I was okay with, with the, what he was doing on the side. Yeah. Um, then that's when it was all it was all about money, power, and respect um, when you're dealing with someone in that type of situation. So I was dealing with women that he had was cheating with or, you know, him being manipulative and lying and things like that. But at the same time, I felt like I had something uh, over the other women he was dealing with because they didn't really know who the real Marcus was. I did. So I felt special. Mm-hmm. So um, even though he was doing those things, I was totally blinded. Um, even my friends could see what was happening to me, but I was holding on to it. I never forget the situation where um, I, I tell about in the book where um, I went to his house and, and caught a female there. And uh, with me, uh, I got so stressed out that I had to be hospitalized. I lost uh, about 11 or 12 pounds in three or four days. And But all I wanted was for Marcus to come to the hospital and be with me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't concerned about the why behind why I was in the hospital. I just wanted to be there. Yeah. So he knew... Um, how much I loved him. And so he used it to his advantage. It was break my heart, pacify me with something that I, I like, or he know that I wanted. Break my heart, pacify me, or buy me something that he knew that I wanted. And so it was a cycle. Yeah. It was a cycle. And I think that abuse, because that is what it was, it was just mental. You mm-hmm. know, he had you going in circles. Mm-hmm. You know, and but he knew that he had your heart. And so he used that to his advantage and your disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And so you're this young lady, you have it going on. You are part of one of the divine nine sororities. You you doing it mm-hmm. and you get hit with this. So you talked about your sisterhood and you talked about the support of your friends. Why did you not want to share with your friends that you were getting ready to be in prison? They thought that it was over mm-hmm. and you were going to be being sentenced the next day. This was actually your going away party. And they thought that y'all were just hanging out. Why did the you- homecoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they thought y'all was hanging out for homecoming. This regular mom come, mom cook. We doing the regular smegular. So mm-hmm. what, what, why did you not want them to, um, to know what was coming next for you? Um, for their protection. Um, it, it was a federal investigation and um, 
they knew Mark. Um, and so to keep them safe, it was just best to, to make it seem as if it was all over said and done with. It was only um, one or two people that knew that I was actually going to court the following day. So, but what kind of weight was that to carry, like to protect everybody and you were already in a situation? Like, I mean, I think that is so, I would venture to call it heroic, you know, mm -hmm. because, you know, it's like, well, let me cover my girls. I really don't want them to be involved with this. So I'm just going to swallow this. That that was a lot because I'm sure that that was a really heavy weight on you. Mm, not really. Um, it wasn't a heavy weight. Um, because the heavy weight was knowing that I had never been in trouble before and I was facing going to prison up to 20 years. That was the heavy weight. Um, not, not telling my friends that, hey, it's all over, said, and done with because at the end of the day, they couldn't do anything anyway. Um, the weight that I was carrying is that I was smiling on the outside as if everything was okay and um, knowing that it wasn't, you know, knowing that I had to go before a judge, you know, that was the weight for me. And it was, you know, just putting on this face and <laughs> it go back to she persevered, you yeah. know, my new brand. That's what we do as women. We will show up and put on a smile regardless of how we feeling on the inside to protect our loved ones because we are naturally nurturers. Yeah. You know, even when something may have been going wrong in your household, when, when you were married and, you had, and your children was in the household, mothers, they put on that face for to protect the feelings of their family. You know, and that's what we do as women. And so that's what I was doing. Only thing I did was put on a face so that my friends felt like everything was okay. But at nighttime, I would cry knowing that, oh, it's a possibility. You know, I, I know that I didn't do anything wrong, but knowing the law and the mandatory minimums that were in effect at the time, um, regardless of if I knew about it or not, I was facing up to 20 years in prison. Wow, wow, wow. And so that is exactly the weight that I was speaking to because you were facing something that they were totally oblivious of and you refused to talk about it. Not that they could do anything about it, but you know, just that you just carried the weight for yourself. It was just like, I don't have nothing to say. I want to go ahead and get through this. And that's going to be that because some of your friends were like, are you serious? So why didn't we notice, you know? Um, and I, I was, I applaud your best friend because she kept your secret, you know, um, that was your girl. And the girl that went to Marcus house with you, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> she, that was so funny. I was just like, okay, so she was in it. So, I mean, it was when I think about all of this, I think about the, the strong support team that you had. And now you are going into prison basically for loving the wrong person. Mm -hmm. You had not sold a drug. You had not handled any of this. You just had knowledge. Mm -hmm. And this incarcerated you. 
it separated you from the one you loved, Marcus, but it also separated you from your support team. So you mentioned that while you were in prison, that in three or four days, you got sick. You ended up with pneumonia and your... Um, Sickle um, the sickle cell flared up. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I was just like, okay, having all of this outside support, but now you all alone, what did that feel like? Like, um, it was a lot. Um, and, and, and I feel like that's, that's why the sickle cell flared up uh, was because um, I was trying to adjust to what was going to be my new normal. Uh, and I just hadn't succumbed to what was, what the future held. Because um, let me just remind you that I just thought I was going to court just to be seen and they were going to let me go on my, on my own and I was going to turn myself in and it wasn't going to be over a year. Like I am thought I was looking at nine months at, at a camp. But when the, I get there and they go over, over everything and the judge sentenced me to five years and 10 months and I'm standing there counting like what? Like what? Because he didn't say five years and 10 months. He said 70 months. So I was calculating in my head, like how long, hmm, that's five years, that's almost six years, you know? And then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to be able to take myself at a later date and so, uh, on my own recognizance and submit myself and turn myself in and all this other kind of stuff. But no, they came and handcuffed me right then and there. So it was so much that I thought was going to happen that didn't happen that day. So what, why did they, why did they, did they say why that happened that way? Mm -mm. No. Wow. No. Ah, so the, the story goes on. This is just, this is just. A now, I can, I can tell you why they sentenced me to more time, but I don't know why they didn't allow me to turn myself in. So, um, with the mandatory minimum laws, um, when they found the drugs, they found a gun in the crawl space of the attic, okay? And so there is a mandatory minimum of five-year sentence um, if a gun is in, um, in, in the area or when you're dealing with a federal case because they see a gun as a, true, a tool of the trade is what they call it. But, of course, it's in the attic, crawl space of the attic. I had no knowledge about it. Right. And didn't matter at that point in time because I was part of everything that was going on at that time. So five years, 10 months, the 10 months was what I was originally supposed to do, but they tacked that five years on because of the mandatory minimum laws um, when it comes to guns. So the five years was for the gun in the crawl space of an addict. And the 10 months was for um, knowledge of the drugs. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is, I mean, it's, it's just, you are clarifying so many things. So when you think about, so today, what do you know what the minimum mandatory um, laws are for someone who would know, have knowledge of someone selling drugs and get caught at a, because was it a time of bus or what was happening 
where the, um, yes, I, I remember what happened from our initial interview, but when the, when the friend got caught up and gave up Marcus, how did you get pulled into all of that? Did they immediately come to his house and that's how all of this sparked? No, so you remember in the book when um, <clears throat> Marcus was looking for Fathead and he asked me to take him to the car rental place to return a vehicle. So when I took him to the car rental place to return the vehicle, I took him to his house. And when we got to the house and we parked the vehicle, then um, the DE agents flew in from everywhere and surrounded the vehicle. And so that's how I became part of it. And then once I was there, um, Fathead was in the house and they asked him, who was she? And he said, that's his girlfriend. She know all about his business. So that is how I was implementing into everything. Wow. <laughs> wow. The, the, the power of somebody's testimony is, it's, it's something else, mm -hmm. good or bad. Mm -hmm. That is, that is just a really, really interesting thing. And I, I think that it's so important for women to be aware of this because, you know, you could be loving somebody and be totally oblivious to some of it but because you're with this person and other people see you with them they might know that you're they might think that you're aware and you are totally unaware because had he not revealed to you what he was doing on the side you could have continued to believe that he was this businessman he had this business over here he was educated boom it could have been that, you right. know? and so it's it's just um, I don't know. It's it's just a lot. It's a lot to take in um, when you think about your journey because you didn't just you uh, you had originally gone to the Tallahassee prison, and then they um, because the judge ordered for you to go to a camp because of your lack of a rap sheet, um, your, your mother and your attorney pushed the, uh, expedited the paperwork so that you could go to the camp. Now, when you went to the camp, you talked about in the book how that was a much better place, if you will, as it related to, I guess, the county prison. Is that- oh, it, mm -mm. So it was a- uh, um... It was a Tallahassee uh, federal prison that uh, I was originally in. Um, but then they took me to um, a camp that was um, a little farther down in Florida, Marietta, Florida. Um, yes, it, it's a camp is on a totally different scale um, than the actual prison is. Um, there is no... Um, the setup is just totally different. Um, it's, it's more freedom um, for you to get out and, and walk around and have a track and different things like that. Um, it's, it's totally different. Just the whole setup. You're not in a place with so many people at, at one time when you're in a, in a camp setting versus um, being in just this big facility and it's two people to a room and it's just concrete. As far as you can look up, like, and people in 
all over the place. So yeah, it, it was totally different. So when you went to the camp, is the camp is the is the camp where you um was the federal uh penitentiary or the camp where you ended up getting sick? So I was at the camp by then. Okay. So mm -hmm. you were at the camp and then you were transferred to the hospital mm -hmm. in Texas. Okay, in Texas. So did you when you left the hospital facilities in Texas, did you go to a federal prison in Texas or did you go back to the camp? So the federal prison in Texas is um is in Fort Worth. It is a hospital. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you were okay, so that is that where you ended up staying? Is that where you met Cheryl Cheryl? Yes, so okay. I met her there. Uh, actually, um, uh, so in the one that's in Fort Worth, Texas, um, it has a prison and across the street, it has a camp. So once I got better at the actual prison at the hospital, um, what they call the med surge, um, they released me so that I could go to the camp that was across the street. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was where you met Cheryl Cheryl? That's where I met Cheryl Cheryl. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, y'all, Cheryl Cheryl was a godsend. Let mm -hmm. me just say that. So, as I was reading the book and, and I was just sharing with Phaedra, I was just like, along her journey, it just seemed like God just held her hand. I mean, and even still today, um, your, your, um, having a, um, what do you call this federal, um, having a felony on your record can mean such a big deal for the average person, less known an African-American woman. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of things did you have to overcome to position, to reposition yourself when um when you did come through the rains because from Fort Worth that is the place that you were released back into society right right I was released from there but I went back to to Jackson Mississippi and I lived with my grandfather okay so is that where you were on house arrest yes Okay, so you you show up at the um at the facility, the halfway house, and they told you you ain't belong there. <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love it because you know they were very right. You didn't belong nowhere you had been because you hadn't done anything illegal, you mm -hmm. know. And so when I when I think about this, I'm just like all of the different there are adult women who are in relationships with men who are living uh, um, the lifestyle, mm -hmm. the, the, the lifestyle. So um, the same lifestyle that Marcus led. And I don't know that like you didn't know that you should even be trying to be concerned about, okay, well, what is he doing? And is it legal and blah, blah, blah. And sometimes you can, as a person, you can kind of feel like that line of questioning would be intrusive. Like, okay, that's not even my business, you know, at this point or whatever in the relationship. But just that if people see you with somebody 
long enough and they know that you're dating, they can assume that you know yes, exactly. what they do. And, and it can cost you. Uh-huh. And so even when that the the when everything happened and they went to to, to my apartment because I didn't live with Marcus, they went to my apartment, they took pictures so they can show that we had a relationship. And so what they do is they paint a picture of you and this person in a relationship where it's impossible for them not to know. So even if you don't know, the federal government is going to try to prove that you do know. Oh, wow. Ooh, that's, that's spicy. And that's really something for us to think about because what's, what's sad is that you can be set up when you're innocent. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can lay out a story to pattern things after your actual knowledge and, mm -hmm. and you could be oblivious that that is that is so sad that the federal government would even be willing to do that that's I mean either you're either you are guilty or you're innocent and so if if you're if you're innocent then they should be trying to look for stuff to make sure that you are giving your right deservance and not incarcerated for something that someone else did so that's that's just that's really crazy to me um in the book you talked about after being released that uh you went to work for your godmother was that in mississippi yes mm -hmm. okay so you went to go and work for your godmother so i had mentioned that um that you that you had um you, you just had this grand support system and it was like God was sending you all of these angels. So you met Cheryl Cheryl, you met someone in the first camp that was, um, that was in Florida. Um, you, you met, um, while working for your godmother, you were on, you were working a double shift and you talked about this gentleman that was just really checking you out. <laughs> and, but he was checking you out for the right reasons. And tell us about that. Tell us about that story. So I, I worked in my, my, my godmother's restaurant uh, and it was a guy that came in and visited um, the restaurant often. On this one particular day, he told me, oh, I've been watching you. And I'm looking like, hey, you know, watching me. You know, somebody tell you they've been watching you need to run, you know. Right. <laughs> After everything I've been through, wait, don't be watching me. Right, right. But no, he was. He told me, he said, hey, um, I've been watching you when I come in here. You have a good work ethic. I have a construction company and I'm looking for an administrative assistant. Are, are you available? And um, at first, I was hesitant. Well, he gave me his business card and basically interviewed me and things like that. And so I, I went from my godmother's restaurant to being an administrative assistant. And so um, I learned a lot of things about the construction company, um, writing his proposals and different things like that, attending city meetings, whatever he needed me to do. Um, but uh, opportunity came where he needed uh, someone to drive a dump truck. Well, with me um, being the daughter of a uh, long distance truck driver, I knew how to drive a stick shift. 
So I told him, hey, I need to make some extra money. How about I write these proposals for you at night and I drive this dump truck during the day? And that's what I did. And I love that because you were a woman on a mission. It was like once God freed you up, he gave you opportunities. He put opportunities in front of you to push you forward, to push you ahead. And you took every opportunity to make it do what it does, make it happen. And you were doing that. You were on top of your game. And all of this was just so great. And, and so um, you, you talked about going um, to visit your best friend in Florida. And I don't know how, somehow you got in contact with Marcus, but Marcus asked to meet up with you and you obliged him. Why? Closure. It was closure. Just imagine the last time we actually saw each other face to face, we were in the courtroom being sentenced. Um, <clears throat> and so it was closure for me. And you, you definitely were able to close the door because you turned your back, you walked away and it was over. It was done. Mm -hmm. And you know that there's so much to be said for that because as this young lady who was enamored with this gentleman and all that he had to offer, you went through a lot, you matured a lot. And you were able to make the necessary decisions to really shut it down because your friend was hot. She was like, what? You want to see who? You, know, you want me to take you where? Right. And I'm, I, but I'm with her. Like, I'm reading a book like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, this is this is a small book, but full of gems, friend, full of gems. So we definitely have to support her. If you have a young lady in your life, you need to get a lesson learned the hard way by Phaedra Washington. You have to get this book. If there is a young lady in your life that is on her way to college, if there is a young lady in your life that is in college, if there is a lady in your life, a young lady in your life, or a woman in your life that could be in the danger of the things that Phaedra have shared with us, then I would take an indirect approach and just get them the book. Um, because there, the book speaks volumes. It's a very easy read, but it's very detailed. And she paints a great picture of her life experience through this process. And so I, I, it's, it's so many other things that I could go into, but I don't want to give everything away that is in the book. I really want you to get the book. I want you to read the book and I want you to consider what it says to you, what it speaks to you. Finally, um, at the end of your book, you mentioned three major core values faith, perseverance, and forgiveness. What do those things mean to Phaedra Washington Gray? Well, I wouldn't be where I am today. I don't feel like if I hadn't um, implemented those three, faith, um, I am who I am because of God. Um, I am where I am because of who he is. Um, perseverance, um, we have to keep going. 
You know, things come our way on a daily day basis uh, and we want to give up and we want to quit. Um, but don't quit. Don't ever quit. You have to keep persevering. And last but not least is forgiveness. And that's another reason why I actually um, wanted to see him face to face to let him know that I forgive you. I'm woman enough now to say, I forgive you. I've even had the opportunity to tell Fathead face to face, even though he told the people that I was the girlfriend, I knew everything about his business and implemented, implemented me in the situation. I had the opportunity to tell him face to face, I forgive you. And I feel like um, because I forgave, because I decided to never give up on myself and I relied on my faith that God has been good to me. <laughs> yes, he <laughs> yes, he has. And I just so, I so, 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 so love it. It is just, um, it's, it's been a lot. You, you have been a woman to persevere. And I believe that you have so much to give to other women, other young women, uh, because this journey started for you as a young woman. You are a full grown woman today and you have learned many things on your journey. So today I ask you, what are some wisdom gems that you would leave for the next young woman, the next woman, the woman who might actually be involved with someone who is living this same kind of lifestyle? What do you want to say to that woman? Uh, first, I would say, don't ever love anyone else more than you love God um, and yourself. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't feel like I would have been in this situation if I would have um, gotten out and didn't feel like I needed to love or had to have this love from this for this person, um, which speaks on my self-esteem at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so we have to love ourselves more than anything that's going on. And two, um, pay attention to the red flags. Mm -hmm. There is warning before destruction. I, if I, when I sat back and I started looking at everything that I had went through with him, the warning signs were there. Mm -hmm. The warning signs were there. I chose to cover up my face and say, oh, I love him. We're going to work this out. How many times you got to work it out? Wow. At some point, you got to be on deuces. <laughs> I love myself more because there is warning before destruction. And no matter how you may be feeling in any situation that you're going in, never give up. Don't ever give up on yourself. There's still hope. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what it looked like right now. Don't ever give up on yourself. Okay. All right. Well, those are all amazing. <laughs> all amazing. And I think that they all speak to um, the fact that you should never put anyone ahead of yourself outside of God. You know, and if that is your focal point, then you it'll be hard for you to find yourself in these compromising situations, because while um, if you are in any type of situation, it might cause you to compromise and compromise is good in its proper place. Mm -hmm. But when you compromise who you are to love someone else, 
that can cost you extensively, that is, it should be a deal breaker if it is not. Mm-hmm. And so um, I just, I just, I applaud the work that you have done for yourself. I applaud the, uh, the new vision, your new brand. She perseveres. Um, and this right here, y'all, again, get your book. Phaedra, do you mind sharing with the audience where they can purchase A Lesson Learned the Hard Way? Yes, um, you can purchase A Lesson Learned Learn the Hard Way at www.phaedra, F as in Frank, A-I-D-R-A dot org, phaedra dot org, www.phaedra.org. All right, so we going to www.phaedra.org. Y'all heard from the horse's mouth. Y'all, this is a really, really, it's a great gift to young women because we, we don't know how ill-equipped we are until we are presented with situations sometime. And, you know, uh, like we talked about, Phaedra was a young woman finding herself in this situation but there are people of an array of ages that are going through this and other things that are very similar, but it is so, so very important for us to never compromise who we are. In in spite of our love for another, find a way to overcome the love that you have for someone when you know that it's not going to land you in in a great place. So um, again, Phaedra, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the book. Thank you for being a woman that pushed, you know, thank you for being a woman willing to grind and reset and reposition yourself and your life. Um, Just such an inspiration for someone that might want to say instead, why me? Mm -hmm. That is a valid question. It is very valid, but sometimes we have to accept where we are and keep it pushing. And I want to say that it was Cheryl Cheryl. I think she said something to that effect to you in the book because she encouraged you to make your time count where you were. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, wow, how, how is it that God could position us like you in the middle of the worst season of your life? at the time and God still made it doable. Mm -hmm. He still made it doable. He gave you a prison mom. Where do they do that at? Mm -hmm. You know, that's not, a lot of people that I hear from who have gone to prison of any sort is they don't have your testimony, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't know a whole lot of females that have been on this journey, but the males that I know are, numerous in count you mm-hmm. know when it comes to numbers they are numerous but it was it's not like you know I found a father figure in jail you mm-hmm. know so um she said something to the effect of though we are jailbirds you talked about her keeping it real we still matter you know we still matter we still have a future there is still hope in front of us now, mm-hmm. I do want to ask you this question. You talked to, you gave her out of your Bible, you had wrote down your information to her to mm-hmm. be a support to her even after you left. Have you kept in contact with her? 
Yes, absolutely. Sunshine is home and it's in Oklahoma. Really? Yes. That is so, that is so awesome. And it is so amazing. And it was just, it was interesting to me because I want to say that y'all stories were a little similar. Mm-hmm. But well, Shusher was one of those people that of that that was um, sentenced to twenty years in prison for um, for for drugs with her husband. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah, that I mean, and so it's it's just it's just a lot. It's it's a whole lot, and but God is good. God is good, and I'm so glad to hear that she was released and that she is well. So mm-hmm. that's really good news. Well. We want to thank you, Phaedra, for being our guest and for having the courage to share your story and just sharing the wisdom um, and the growth, um, the, the decisions that it took for you to get to where you are today. I want to mm-hmm. say thank you for, for sharing. I mean, I, I'm sure that it's not an easy story to share. Um, there was some really, really tough moments in there, but God saw you through and you continue to rise. So I'm, I'm just so glad that you have a, a happy ending, mm-hmm. you know, that you have a happy ending. And you know, Phaedra, I know this about you, but I would like for you to share how you advocate for women who struggle with um felonies being on their record and how you help them to navigate that process? Um, so after, after being released from prison, I had my own struggles with trying to find employment and, and getting a job and just people telling me, no, no, no. Um, I've talked about how I bust tables and how I drove a dump truck. Uh, I worked at night writing proposals for a construction company. But at some point, I did decide to return to college um, and until I obtained my MBA. Um, Masters of Business Administration, um, and I do work in corporate America um, right now as a recruiter, and I've been doing that for about 10 years, but um, last year, I was able to um, switch my focus a little bit and um, use the skills that I, I've obtained over the years so that I can assist uh, with the unlikely candidate uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Um, when we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion, we, 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 talk, we think about um, the color of our skin. Uh, we think about our sexuality. Um, we think about religion uh, uh, and things like that. But we do not think about um, that person who has a felony or a misdemeanor on their record. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be some diversity and inclusion with that because it's plenty of people that have um, that is convicted of a felon um, who's a convicted felon or have a misdemeanor that has skills um, that they possess that where they can actually work but because they have to check a box that says um, they have been convicted of a felon in the last seven or the last 10 years or uh, any period of time um, they're overlooked so at what point do you give these people an opportunity so that um, they don't com- keep getting, getting into the cycle of going back to prison and coming back out? Um, the system is set up to hurt, not help. Wow. So um, I just bring awareness to um, the need for diversity and inclusion when it comes to someone with a criminal background. Um, I just think about what if someone didn't give me the opportunity, where would I be? Right. 
Right. And so if someone wanted to, if someone wanted to contact you mm-hmm. to, um, to get any kind of assistance, assistance in that way, are you helping random people or are you helping people that, um, that tries to get into your company with this particular kind of issue? So what I, I do, I consult from the human resource um, and recruiter uh, standpoint. Uh, if somebody does contact me individually and they need some assistance, uh, of course, I have resources uh, and people that I can uh, point them to. I, I want to help anyone that I can. Um, but as of right now, I am advocating from a corporate standpoint. Um, so to enlighten and open the eyes of people that are actually making the decision. Right. And that's powerful because that's where the impact needs to be made because ultimately they are the people that affect those people having an opportunity in front of them. So, yeah, so that, that is just so awesome. Um, Who you are, Phaedra Gray on social media? I am Phaedra Washington Gray on social media. Um, my new brand is She Persevered. Um, uh, is She Persevered on Facebook? You can go like the page on Instagram. Is She Persevered official? Uh, and then my um, my personal page is Phaedra Washington Gray. Okay, so if someone wanted to reach out to you, they can reach out to you on social media and just leave it there. They can reach out to me on social media or my website. It's, um, it's a form on there where it says work with me. Or if you have any questions, uh, you can actually schedule uh, a time slot to talk to me on my website. So it's www.phaedra.org. Okay. All right. So you can order the book. Um, you can look at um, what I do. Um, you can order a T-shirt uh, when she persevered on it. And you can reach out to me and schedule a time for, so, so we can talk. Oh, that is awesome. That is really, really good news. And I, I'm so glad that that kind of came up because that wasn't a plan. I just believe that God wanted, you know, I don't know who's listening You know, Mm -hmm. not everybody subscribe and not everybody like, but people are viewing, you Mm -hmm. know, so as people are viewing, there are different people with different needs. And so your story and your journey are so necessary for people to hear and to be aware, you know, be educated by this new information, you know, and if you need further assistance, then here it is. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to say thank you again for doing what you do, for impacting our world in the fashion that you do. And I just thank you that you continue to inspire us to persevere. So I will continue to push forward and do what God has given me to do. And you do likewise. Thank you so much, Phaedra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story one more time. Uh, You are most welcome. Well, you have heard it. That is it for us tonight. I want to say thank you for joining us. I hope that something that we have shared here, some part of Phaedra's story, if it doesn't help you, that it will give you what you need to help another. So you have a good evening and we will see you next time. Good night, everybody.